There are some here today I know that have had a long week. There are some here today who have been to the Red Sea, if you will. There are some here today, this week, who have had their backs against the wall. They were scared. They were anxious. They were stressed. But because of their faith, they relax today in this place. Because when we are at our Red Sea, it's then that our faith has a chance to exercise and grow or to diminish and die. So before we begin today, we talk about prayer and how it's essential to our faith, especially when we're at the Red Sea. Will you pray with me? Father God, we love you so much. And I thank you, Father God, for the way you have watched over us this week. And I thank you in advance today for the way you will watch over us in the week to come. We thank you for your blessings. And we pray, Father God, that when we face our Red Sea, and we know we will, they come, they go. We pray, Father, that that's when we can exercise our faith and we can hang on tight to your promises, your love. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite stories is about a minister that was riding his bike home for lunch one day and he came across a neighborhood yard sale and he pulled in because he saw a mower, a lawnmower at the yard sale and he knew they could use one at the church and he stopped and looked the mower over and he talked to a little guy there. He was kind of in charge of things and the Little boy said that he was having a yard sale so he would have enough money to buy a bicycle someday. The minister didn't have a whole lot of cash on him, so he offered to trade his bike for the mower. Little boy looked his bike over and said, can I ride it a little bit? And he hopped on and took off. He came back and he said, you got yourself a deal. Preacher took the mower and took it back to the church and started to crank it, started to start it. And more he pulled less the more wanted to respond the little boy's riding by on his bicycle and the minister stopped him and said hey i can't get this mower started is there a trick to it the little boy stopped his new bike and got off and said yeah you have to cuss it to get it started preacher said oh i'm a minister and uh, i can't be cussing a mower In fact, it's been a long time since I've done any swearing. I'm not sure I remember how. The little boy said, a deal's a deal. Just keep cranking that rope. It'll come back to you. (laughs) Ah, For some reason, we tend to treat prayer that way. We teach our kiddos as little ones, don't we? Say please and thank you and... We teach them to say their prayers at night and sometimes around the meal table. That's just kind of who we are. And we get to a point in our life where we tend to kind of outgrow that mentality. And we don't pray much anymore as adults except for when we're in trouble or when there's a need. And then we try to do the best we can to remember how to pray. So if you have your Bibles... 
Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 29. I read this to you because I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to someone and they said, you know what, preacher? It's been a long time since I prayed. Or they say something like, I'm not even sure I remember how. So in this piece of scripture, starting with verse 29 today, as Jesus and his disciples, as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, or Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and they followed him. If you would go over to the book of Mark, it talks about Bartimaeus there. One of the blind men is called by name. And you know what? I have no idea why they were on this particular road that day, but I believe that they sit probably in the same spot almost on a regular basis. And maybe this was Monday, or maybe it was their Tuesday spot, or maybe this is where they sit all the time to catch the traffic coming and going from Jericho. And sometimes I'm sure they had good days when they received several coins from those who had compassion. And I'm sure they had days that weren't quite as profitable for them. Maybe they heard that this man Jesus was in town. Maybe they heard he would be passing this way. They had heard what he had done. This great rabbi, this teacher had done some pretty miraculous things. And what did they have to lose? So I'm sure as the crowd got closer, their senses began to heighten. And maybe they had already practiced their shout. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And they just began to let it go. And the Bible says that some of the town folk heard them and they wanted to quiet them because it was embarrassing. After all, it was Jesus, he was passing through, and now these beggars are calling for him. So they sent someone over to quiet them. In our lingo, they wanted to shut them up. And the Bible says when they tried to quiet them, they loud or, or, or they yelled all the louder. And this kind of cracks me up too, doesn't it you? You ever have a little one in a quiet surrounding and you wanted to keep them quiet and you tried to hush them as best you could? Does that work? Usually they cry all the louder. That's kind of the nature of the beast. Have you ever been in a situation where you were not supposed to laugh and something tickled you? I was doing a wedding one time in rural Illinois and it was an outdoors wedding and a gal began to sing and a neighbor's dog began to howl. Man, I looked at my feet, and I just started shaking. I was trying not to laugh. 
This young lady was doing the best that she could. This dog was doing better than he could. Have you ever been there? Somebody quiet him. Bartimaeus, shut up. Just shut up. We don't, quiet. The harder they tried, the louder they yelled. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped the parade. And he called these two guys and said, hey, can, come here. Someone bring him over here. Do you think these two blind men wasted any time coming over? They were probably up and over before you could spit. Jesus said, what do you guys want? And you know, they did not hesitate. They said, we want to see. And then something interesting happens. Jesus touches their eyes and immediately, did you catch that in the text? Immediately. He didn't say, take this medication and take all 10 days and when you're done, come back and see me. Immediately, they were healed. And the Bible says that they rejoiced and they followed him. And we'll come back and address those issues later. Mark's version of the story tells us that one of the men named Bartimaeus responds to their request, Jesus does. And in chapter 10, verse 52 of Mark, Jesus says, go, your, your faith has healed you. Does that surprise anyone? You know, we are called by God to walk by faith. And we are called by God to pray in the name of Jesus and things will happen. And we are told in this piece of scripture, because of their faith, things began to work out for them. What did Bartimaeus do to show such faith? You know, it's not like the guys in scripture that began to tear a hole in the roof. Remember when Jesus was preaching and they lowered their friend down in faith? Bartimaeus didn't go to that extent. The Bible also tells us that there was a woman who had been uh, uh, bleeding for a long time. And she pushed her way through the crowd. She motored to the crowd just to touch his garment. Bartimaeus didn't do anything like that. He just sat at the corner and yelled. There was a centurion, the Bible tells us, remember, that came to Jesus because he had a sick servant. Jesus was going to go to his house, but they met, and the centurion said, I'm not worthy to have you at my home. Just say the word. And I know when I get home, my friend, my servant will be healed. So when you read the story here, you can't help but wonder, what was the great demonstration of faith on the part of Bartimaeus? All he did was ask. I have some friends out here today that I know fly. They travel quite often. I got to tell you, I have never flown first class. Anybody here ever fly first class? Some of you have. I mean, it's kind of weird, isn't it? They have that curtain that goes to the Holy of Holies. I usually walk by those first class seats and think, you know, wouldn't it be great to sit here? I'm sure they have all their needs taken care of, and it's a pretty big deal. But I go back with the other riffraff, and I find my seat, and 
Marshall Brooks, Rick Brooks's dad. Debbie and I were at the beginning of a long trip to Hawaii years ago. And believe it or not, we were having trouble getting out of Evansville. The weather wasn't bad. They were just having some mechanical problems. So Marshall happened to be working for, I think it was Delta. Delta Airlines here in the city. So he said, hey, Jerry, don't worry. I'll get you to your next destination. It'll be kind of a close thing, but we'll take care of you and things will be fine. Well, we flew from here to Atlanta. And Debbie, I don't know if you remember, but when we got to Atlanta, we were right at the, right at the gate when the plane was ready to leave. So they rushed us in. They rushed us past the common seats into the business section. And we sat right up front by this big screen where they were going to show a movie. It was We had all kinds of room. The seats were bigger. They showed the movie. It was great, and they brought us food. We even had a menu to choose from. It wasn't first class, but I think second class was pretty stinking good. And then when it came nighttime, they brought us these little things to put on our feet, these little socky things. So I guess if we want to take our shoes off and walk around and not get our socks dirty, we could get their socks dirty. And they brought us these things to wear over our face, and I felt like the blind Lone Ranger. So I didn't wear that thing. But after we ate, they brought us warm towels to wash our hands off with. Now, I've never been to the other side, but this side was looking pretty good. was flying some time ago and went past the first class section to my riffraff seat and the stewardess was making the last preparations and a guy right across the aisle from me, she comes by and he grabs her for a minute and they talk about something, something about a free upgrade. I don't know what that meant at that time, but they took him up to first class. So I thought, why don't I ask? I didn't. And I stayed in my seat for the entire flight. He was rewarded because he asked. Now I'm sure it had something to do with frequent flyer miles and memberships and pinky swears and that kind of stuff. But I did not get because I did not ask. I may have not have gotten anyhow. She might have said, well, who do you think you are? Well, I'm Jerry Clark. She might have asked me some other pretty difficult questions. James 4, verse 2 says, you don't have because you don't ask. And that's pretty important to this thing called prayer. We have to get to the point where it is the automatic default. Things not going our way, let's pray. Things are going our way, let's pray. Having a good day, let's pray. Having a bad day, let's pray. Let's just understand that when we are going through life, we need to learn to pray. We need to walk by faith. So when we're at that Red Sea moment, when our backs are against the wall, when we have no direction to go, well, let's try prayer. And here's what I want you to remember about asking today. There's 
three things that this story teaches. The first is we need to learn to ask immediately. As soon as Bartimaeus and his buddy heard that Jesus was passing by, they immediately began calling out to him when he was close. I don't know how much they knew about Jesus. I don't know what stories they had heard. But when Jesus came their way, they didn't hesitate. They were not going to let this opportunity pass by. So they began to immediately began to call out to him. A lot of times in our culture, prayer is not the first option, is it? Why not? Well, we're smart people. We ought to be able to figure this issue out. That's what we think. Or we have a few finances to call on, so that's the way we think. We'll just use our resources, and we'll work this thing out with our resources. Too often our thinking is when all else fails, maybe it's time to to ask God. That kind of asking doesn't demonstrate faith when we are faithful people we learn how to ask immediately we turn to God first and we don't worry about the other the other options anybody here have a love-hate relationship with your computer I love to hate mine even the laptop even the iPad sometimes it's just my phone I love to hate technology sometimes I'm not sure is my friend I was having a computer issue not too long ago and I called a friend. He suggested that I call another friend because my friend evidently couldn't help me. Neither could my other friend. I actually called technical support and I didn't understand them. And finally I called another friend and he said, it sounds like I'm your last hope. And he said, why did you wait to call me last? And I said, because I didn't think you could help. And he did. So now whenever I'm having a computer issue, if I can't figure it out, and chances are I can't, I'm calling the friend that I used to call last first because he has the ability to help immediately. The fact is when we don't call God first, we are demonstrating our lack of faith. And it's foolish because God can really help you with any problem you face. That's what the Bible teaches us. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Those are promises from God. Those three verbs, ask, seek, knock, can be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It doesn't imply a one-time request. It complies a, implies a continual source of action. The blind man asked immediately, and they kept on asking, and Jesus heard, and he answered their request. Pretty simple, right? Secondly, we need to learn to ask defiantly. Defiance is a bold resistance to authority. It implies a resistance, an obstinance, a rebellious attitude or a disobedience. The Bible tells us in verse 31, when the blind men began to shout, the crowd tried to quiet them. In fact, there were people sent over, if you look at Mark, people sent over to Bartimaeus and his friend, and 
they were told to hush them. They were told to quiet them. And the Bible says they began to shout louder and louder and louder. They wanted to be heard. There was a group of people surrounding the beggars who decided it was their job, so they tried their best. What right did these beggars have to shout at Jesus? They needed to keep him quiet. It was really embarrassing to their community to have people act this way. They didn't care what the crowd thought or said. They cried out louder, and I want you to realize that there were some risks involved. The first risk was that these beggars were known in the community, and maybe if they did this outlandish outcry, maybe their friends would stop coming by their way and say, remember that day Jesus was here? I was going to throw some money your way, but not anymore because you embarrassed our town. Jericho will never be the same. Or maybe, just maybe, Jesus would, would not stop. What if he wouldn't stop? Would that tell the rest of the community that these men were of no value to him and he had no time to waste his time on two worthless beggars? Not very good for your reputation. Bartimaeus and his friend had decided it was worth the risk. Have you ever heard it said, high risk, high reward? I think these men understood that that day and they weren't about to let Jesus walk by without giving it a shot and demonstrating their faith. So they began to shout like there was no tomorrow. I have to ask this question. When you approach God, do you keep approaching him? Do you pray quietly? Do you ever shout so that God might hear you even better I'm not sure how you let life discourage you or the critics discourage you but I encourage you to keep on asking Yogi Berra was a catcher for the New York Yankees and one afternoon when they were playing a game he was behind home plate and the opposing team's batter stepped into the plate before he stepped in he made a little cross with his bat in the dirt yogi looked at him up at him from his position and he erased the cross with his hand and he said and i quote why don't we just play the game and leave god out of it now yogi's a hall of famer i think he was a little bit out of sorts that day I believe that every ball player has the right to ask God to help them perform to the best of their ability maybe not influence the outcome of the game unless it's a Cardinal Cub game and then I think he would choose the Cardinals over the Cubs teachers have the right to ask God to help them interact with their children in a good way everyone has the right and privilege to ask God to help each of us do the best of our abilities each and every day and to help us and our families and to, I think God wants us to do those kind of things and blind beggars have that same kind of privilege 
So if you want to experience God's power in your life, you need to ask immediately first. And you will need to be willing to defy the critics and the skeptics and maybe to go in a way that others will not have you go, even if it puts you at risks and makes you look foolish. And there's one more thing. We need to learn to ask specifically. When Jesus heard the men call, he stopped and asked them directly, what do you want from me? Now they could have said, we want three more wishes. Or they could have said, we want a good meal today or a place to call home today or we, we, we want to be back with our family today. They could have asked for a lot of things, but they said, and I quote, we want our vision. Jesus said, that his compassion for them was great. He touched their eyes and they had their sight immediately. Now there are two things I want you to notice about this exchange. They knew exactly what they wanted and they requested it specifically. They didn't hem haul around. They asked and they were answered. And you know, we've got to remember that God can't answer a prayer that we aren't willing to make and he can't answer if we don't ask we must be specific the act of asking is a demonstration of faith and if you want to receive God's blessing you need to be specific when you ask Debbie and I are heading north later this week to spend a week with some of our grandbabies why mom and dad head for Florida I thought we ought to head for Florida and just talk to them on the phone a couple times Every night, prayer time's a big deal. And I can guarantee you, they are praying about more things now because they want to stay up longer. But I do know that we will pray for mom and dad as they travel. And we will pray that they be safe. And we will thank God for sprinkled donuts. And we will also thank God for the love that we have for Jesus. It's going to be kind of a good week for us. Have no idea what God has in store Preston already told me that when we get there we're going to Target and we're buying a green truck I don't even know what that means but that's what poppies do and we might get two green trucks just for fun they asked for it all they could have asked for a few coins food, a place to spend the night and just band-aids for their problems, but instead they asked for the impossible. They asked to be able to see, and they got what they asked for. The fact is, asking demonstrated their faith. I got a hard question for you this morning, and then we're done. I wonder how big your faith is. I mean, is that a fair question? I wonder how big your faith is. I wonder how often you pray. I wonder... If you pray like you believe God is going to hear and answer your prayer. A lot of us just pray when we're in trouble, don't we? When you're pulled over for speeding and you're doing 120 in a 30. You pray he's got the wrong car. You ever been there? You ever pray when you're facing a medical answer and you're almost sure what you're going to hear? You ever pray that you're going to hear something different? You ever pray for your family when you know your family is in trouble and it's the last thing in the world you want to hear?
Why wait till the back is against the wall? When we're at our Red Sea moment, why don't we just recognize it and default to prayer? I know what you're thinking. It's been a long time since you prayed, right? Maybe you don't remember how to do it. Let me tell you, if you crank it long enough, it's going to come back to you as we stand. Amen.